Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Uh, We have a lot to get into today, and I want to hear from you guys. Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media accounts. It's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Don't forget, if you're going to tag us, it's hashtag S-G-N all over our social media accounts. We'll get it on Twitter, especially. You guys know how interactive we are there. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get you a part of the show. iTunes, iHeartRadio. Any of our fine syndicated affiliates will get you a part of the show as well. Make sure that you're listening in today. We have a lot to get into. We are going to talk about a little bit of interesting odds that came out of nowhere. When I say they came out of nowhere, there were literally no odds to something I was going to talk about. Um, and there, there now are some good odds, and I think we should be taking a shot at them. I'm just letting you guys know where I'm sitting with that. We have college football on the horizon. That's right. We have a college football game this weekend that is lined. We have a couple coming right up, and we're uh, we're going to be getting into a little bit of college football. That's right. Real, true college football is on the horizon. That's right. Uh, we're going to be talking about all that. And look, I hate to start off with negative stuff. And I feel like I say that to you guys through all this corona pandemic and now uh, the riots and, and the protests and, and whatnot. We are a network. We are a show that we try not to interject anything that will not impact your wallet. Okay? It, we're not saying stick to sports and stick to sports talk. We're not saying any of that. We're just saying that you listen to us for a different reason. But we have to address parts of this because it absolutely does impact your wagering ticket. It does. One of the biggest questions that I got this week when the NBA started canceling and the NHL followed suit and canceled some of their playoffs and then Major League Baseball sporadically canceled some of their games. One of the questions that I first immediately got asked was, Tom, should I hold on to my ticket? Because they're not saying that these games are canceled. They're saying they are postponed. Well, there is a quite a difference there. There is a literal translation, and there's a difference. I asked it out uh, to a couple of sports books, and I asked them the night of the NBA cancellations. I said, what do you do? And they all told me, look, it's a postponement. So we're going to keep the tickets valid. But that was day one. Then the NBA went into uh, you know more days, and then Major League Baseball followed suit later on that night, and the NHL followed suit the next day. And now the sports books are in a tough position. I've reached out to a few, and you're getting varying degrees of, well, you know, when the game goes on, we're going to see how the line reflects, but it should basically be the same. We'll honor those tickets. Nobody seems to be just kind of giving up here. So as we always say, don't rip up your ticket until you're 100% sure. There's no harm in leaving that ticket in your wallet or in your car or in the safe at your house or wherever you put your winning tickets or your potentially winning tickets, right? I know everyone's got a weird way to put them. Guys, we don't know. And my job is to give you guys flat-out advice. That's why you're paying me, right? I'm paid to give advice, and my advice is hold on to them until we know. I could speculate. I could tell you what they think is going to happen. I could tell you what they told me they believe will happen. That's beliefs. That's thinking. None of it is concrete, guys. So 
my advice to anybody out there that is holding a ticket from Wednesday of last week uh, when you're holding an NBA ticket, anybody out there holding a Lakers or a Clippers or a Major League Baseball, see, baseball gets a little weird because the next day, all of a sudden, that's going to be a doubleheader, right? And hockey, and they're not going to do a doubleheader in the NBA. They're not going to do it, but baseball, they do. That changes the ticket. That all of a sudden changes the bet. So there's a lot of new area. And this is why you listen to this show here, right? There's a lot of new people coming on to bet, new bettors out there. But I'm going to tell you, even the experienced people, the most experienced people in this business, a lot of them are searching for answers. And the guys that run the show are searching for answers. And they're not sure what to do. I know a sports book out there. I'm not going to mention the name because, you know, listen, they don't give me money to, right? But I know a sports book out there that promoted on the air the night of the NBA postponement that you could take any NBA team and get plus 2,000 odds on them winning the championship for a $50 bonus because we didn't even know if the NBA was coming back. And basically, they just wanted you to deposit your $50 and then have to use that as inside credit. I get the game. I'm not getting down on them for the game. But there's a lot of speculation of what will happen and what this leads to. I'm not here to sit here and tell you my thoughts on the riots, on the social justice awareness, on the kneeling, on the problems, on the issues, on any of it. I'm not here to sit you. To, you're not paying me to tell me my opinion on that. I'm not asking you your opinion on that. What I'm telling you is that it will affect us on a betting standpoint. For example, if you're looking at some NBA teams that were rolling, absolutely rolling, and now they got to sit down, they got to take some time off. How about the division in the locker room? One of the things that we certainly heard was this was not a unified decision. You're gunning for a championship, and all of a sudden, maybe the guy two lockers next to you didn't agree with canceling the season like you wanted to. He didn't agree sitting down that game like you potentially wanted to. And don't think that they're all singing kumbaya, holding hands, and lovingly going ahead with all this. No, 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 no. Because you're getting into a position where role players, maybe they want to play a little bit more than the guys that are making millions. Maybe. Maybe they feel like, listen, what if we lose our contract? What if we? What if I don't get paid? What if I don't get my playoff share? These are all things that maybe the guy on the end of the bench is making. You could go, well, who cares about him? But it's a team unity sort of thing. We're in the playoffs for hockey. We're in the playoffs for the NBA, and especially the NBA. Tensions are high. You're inside a bubble with alpha males, testosterone running crazy, no way to get rid of that testosterone, right? No wives, no girlfriends, none of that going on, no partying going on. These guys are locked in that bubble. Now you have a problem with a teammate. You don't think that's going to impact the way that this all goes down? You don't think that that's going to impact the line? Their performance on the court? Come on. Come on. Don't be naive out there. This certainly does. Now, I don't want to be the cold-hearted guy, but I am because I want to make a buck off of it. If I hear there's a little team rift, I'm going, hmm. Maybe I'm taking the plus points on the other way, right? If I hear that that they weren't in unison, these guys didn't agree, there's a problem. Someone's giving the stank eye to somebody else, right? Any Anything might be a buying opportunity. And then you have the idea that there are some guys that are hurt. Luka Doncic, look, he looked great. By the way, I've been touting this guy for years. Um, I think he is in the top five best players in the NBA. Yeah, I said it. And I told you guys on this exact microphone 
that I liked him for the MVP before the year. Now, he's not going to win it, but I don't think it looks like a crazy prediction now, especially with the odds. But Luka Doncic was, was banged up, right? He's banged up. He was questionable status. Damian Lillard hurt his hand and his thumb. Um, his status was, yeah, he'll play, but is he going to be 100%? Now you give guys that they were questionable. Now you give guys that maybe they weren't sure if they were going to play. Now you give guys three, four extra days to heal up that finger. Dame, right? Hey, Dame, you need three, four days to heal up that finger. Now you go give guys a couple more days to heal up. You'd be surprised. Listen, I'm no pro athlete, right? But my wife's birthday was this week. I sliced my hand on a lobster. I don't even eat lobster. I was doing it for her. Sliced my hand on a lobster. Two days later, I was like, oh, okay. That, that, that's kind of going away. Just giving you an example. <laughs> right? I'm trying to relate to these million-dollar athletes in the bubble. But I'm, I'm, in all seriousness, look, that is a reality. That guys that have minor bangs and bruises gets three days to sit down and relax. And to heal up. In the NHL, you don't think taking a puck to the face, right? Taking checks across the board and hip checks and falling on the ice. You don't think you want an extra two days to just sit down, kind of get a massage, sit in the steam room? Yeah, you want that. Major League Baseball, they're up against a schedule. The New York Yankees are going to play something like, like 20 games in like 18 days or something like that. You know, they had to basically play 60 games. The, the Major League Baseball, all the teams, had to basically play 60 games in 66 days. It, it's ridiculous. That crazy, grueling schedule. Now, a team like the Yankees, they got off because the, the Mets apparently might have been coronavirus and, and they could have had it and we didn't know and nobody knew and then the Yankees got rained out. So a team like that didn't need the rest. But wait a minute. Aaron Judge was... Going to miss four games for the DL. He goes out, they miss a couple of games, then he comes back. Now he did get hurt again, but this adds to Giancarlo Stan getting more time. You have to look at sports betting at every single angle. And when I say every single angle, I mean every angle. If it hurts your feelings to look at something and to say, I don't want to take advantage of a spot there, maybe this business isn't for you. Maybe you shouldn't go into this business. I'm not hoping for coronavirus. I'm not hoping for riots. I'm not hoping for any of these things. But I understand the impact that it does have on your wallet. And the betting impact is certainly there. And we have to follow that. We have to follow that. This is a situation in America now where having that time to wait to make a bet is crucial people opting out, games being canceled. It's very crucial. Now, I will say this, just to go into a little bit of the uh, X's and O's, we'll call it, of sports betting itself, because the night that Major League Baseball was canceling, the NBA canceled early. The Orlando Magic were on the court ready to play. Milwaukee didn't come out of the locker room. Orlando was basically awarded a forfeit in a playoff game. They turned down the forfeit and said, okay, we're not playing. But they weren't unified. They didn't even know. Orlando didn't even know about it. As that day progressed, more and more things came out. LeBron James 
throwing a little temper tantrum, basically saying, we're not going to play at all. And then the Clippers said, well, we're, we're done with the season. And then, well, you know what? Tempers got a little hot. Maybe no one's going to be done with the season. We're going to come back. Things are what they are. And people bash the NHL for even putting on a product that night. Major League Baseball was sporadic in ending their product. Uh, I think the Brewers were the first people to say, okay, we're not going to play that night. And then the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler came out, and then Seattle was canceled. Some games, uh, there were games being played I was betting on, and the updates were coming that other games were being canceled. It was a wild, ridiculous, ridiculous night. And the next night was, was pretty much the same. Right, the Dodgers and Kershaw played an afternoon game, and talk was they might cancel the night game. I mean, this is the world that we're living in, minute to minute and bet to bet. So when you're talking about things like this, you know, I get asked a lot of the questions, what do I do? What happens? Where do I go with this? And a lot of the betting questions are, you know, Keep your head down and basically just plow through this. If you had a game that you liked the night before and you made a bet on it and a substantial bet, let's say, you know what? I loved it. I love, I couldn't wait to take Kershaw and the Dodgers, right? Against the San Francisco Giants. He owns the Giants. We've talked about that on the air. He owns the Giants. He's got a 2-4-5 ERA coming into that game. Uh, I love the spot. Of Clayton Kershaw against the Giants, the Dodgers uh, are reasonable at minus 210. I'm going to jump all over it. And the game gets canceled. You know, you didn't lose any money, right? You didn't lose anything. Now, the next day, that does not mean come back and blindly bet Clayton Kershaw. It doesn't mean the next day come back and blindly bet your game again to be stubborn. And that's what you are, especially in 2020. First of all, in any year, it's a stupid thing to do. You bet on Kershaw at that moment because you now have to go look at what is Kershaw on five days rest instead of the regular four. How does he react then? How is San Francisco with an extra day? How are the Dodgers? Are they going to rest anybody? Then, oh, by the way, they scheduled a doubleheader. Well, now we have a doubleheader. Mookie Betts sat out that next game. You don't think that that is going to change? Oh, by the way, the line went from 210 the night before to minus 240. Clayton Kershaw is now minus 240 instead of minus 210. That should change your opinion on the game. But if you wanted to be steadfast and do it, look, Kershaw won the game. He perched miraculously. It was great. But you have to take these things into consideration. There's also the idea that now double headers are seven innings. That matters. That means something. So when you have these unforeseen circumstances and we're going to have more of them in 2020 guys you don't think that it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out right there's going to be more there's going to be more random stoppages there's going to be more star players getting corona there's going to be more of it i hope not but there will be and if there's not this goes for 10 years down the road when there's a rain out you don't always have to come back the next day with the idea that no matter what, hell or high water, I'm still betting the game that I bet last night just because it was canceled or postponed. Don't do that. Don't come into that mindset. You've got to be able to be very fluid in this business. And you've got to be able to adjust on the fly. This is not personal. And there are often times where I believe, Tom Barton believes, the world is after me, right? And the bookmakers set that line just to screw me over. I, I mean, I've been there, okay? 
The reality is, is that, that it's not that. And you've got to be able to swallow your pride. Do you know how many times I give out a Plato clients? I give it out. The next day, I get the phone call. Well, you didn't put it out today's game, so I'm just going to take it anyway. Or, you know, I lost because you put it out yesterday, so I put it out today. That thing's changed in 24 hours, man. You can't do that. So we've got to be able to be you know, really fluid in this business. we got to be able to, to move with the flow. I didn't want to get into the social justice awareness campaign uh, and everything that the NBA is doing because, look, you're going to be bombarded with that. But you have to know that it does impact your wallet uh, from a betting standpoint and your approach to these things in a betting standpoint. I would say with the NBA, who has helped the most here, I think the most help is coming from Portland, who I think Damian Lillard needed a, a little break. They they were the hottest team in the NBA, and then he got hurt. And I'm not saying that they would have just gone out there and won the series, but they looked pretty bad the last game. I think the Vegas Golden Knights get helped in this. Vegas came out like a just absolute world on fire. They looked like they had the Stanley Cup in their sights, destroyed Vancouver in Game 1, came out in Game 2 and just didn't look right. Sometimes you need that breath. And this can help teams. I think this is going to hurt some teams also. I mean, we know for a fact that there is some kind of tension in the Lakers' locker room. We know that. Do I think that this is going to hurt the Lakers uh, on the totality aspect? No. But I wouldn't be rushing to go and bet them when they restart happens. These are just where my brain goes. Doesn't mean I'm going to be out against them. Where my brain goes and where your brain should go if you are now a sports better. You're not just a sports fan, you're a sports better. This is where we have to go, and this is what we have to talk about. Now that that's out of the way, we will come back. We're going to actually talk about real sports. That's right, we're going to have real sports. We have real, true college football coming up. We're going to talk about college football and the changes in college football. All that and more when we return right after this with more Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, yeah. College football coming up right around the corner. That's right. Well, next time we talk, there's going to be college football games in the books. We have a couple of college football games. I want to start off with some of these lines here. Marshall, East Carolina. Marshall's going to be a three-point favorite. That's what they opened up as. Circus Sports flipped it, though. And Circus Sports, East Carolina is minus one. Total there set at 65.5. Moving to the midweek, Kentucky takes on Eastern Michigan. This has been minus 23 for Kentucky pretty much across the board. 55.5 is the total there. Rice in Houston. The total is 51 and a half. It stayed pretty standard at two touchdowns favorite for Houston. Florida Atlantic takes on Minnesota. Minnesota's an 18-point favorite. 68 and a half is the number there. BYU at Utah. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Utah minus seven. And they're looking at 54 and a half. Syracuse, Boston College, Indiana, Wisconsin. And we go more into uh, quite a few more games going, moving down the line. But college football is going to be here, guys. It's going to be here. And I want to absolutely make sure that we understand, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get some college football. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm very excited. So that is what are the odds. Now, 
Let's get into the futures numbers because we do have 2020 NCAA future win totals that have been adjusted. Now, you have to understand why the adjustments are taking place. A lot of these teams are sitting back and they've moved their schedule. They've eliminated teams. They're only playing, uh, SEC's only playing the SEC. Uh, ACC's only playing the ACC except for one team inside your state. Things of that nature. The schedule has been moved. The schedule has been changed. But I want to talk to you about the over-under numbers that have been changed. We'll start it right off with Alabama. Alabama opened with a 10 and a half minus 200 to the over. Now, they were you hardly ever see a minus 200 to the over. They were very reluctant to give Alabama the 11 number. Now, with the new numbers and the new schedule coming out, Alabama is now sitting at a pretty little 8 number. Alabama is sitting at an 8 number, minus 170 to the over. This is an interesting line because all of a sudden, they didn't want to give Alabama 11. They were doing everything they could to stop Alabama from getting to 11. So they threw up a 200 number to try to keep Alabama away from 11. That's where they had it. And I mentioned Bama, not because I'm an SEC fan. I mentioned Bama because, look, they are one of the premier teams, if not the premier team in college football right now. They are playing a schedule right now where they have... 10 games on the schedule. They have 10 games. Their over-under is 8. Anybody think that Nick Saban's losing three games? I think this is a good push situation at worst. And I'm not an Alabama back. Now, the problem is minus 170 to the over. At Missouri, Texas A&M, at home. At Ole Miss, Georgia, at Tennessee, Mississippi State, at LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, at Arkansas. I can tell you now, look, they're not losing to Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi State, sorry, Tennessee, not losing that game, Ole Miss or Missouri. They're not losing those games. At Texas A&M versus Georgia at LSU against Auburn are the four potential losses. I don't think LSU, even though it's Baton Rouge, even though it's mid-November, even though it's in LSU territory, after losing Joe Burrow, I just can't imagine that that team gets a win over Alabama this year. So I just gave you the three losses that it would need. Do you believe they're losing to Texas A&M, Georgia, and Auburn? That's what you're looking at. Auburn's at home. Auburn's going to be a good team, 11th ranked team in the country. Georgia's number 14, but they're both at home. And Texas A&M, oh, by the way, number 13 team ranked in the country, they're at home. There's no way, and let me be on record here, I have bashed Alabama most of my radio career. I am going on record now and saying there's no way Nick Saban's losing three home games in a shortened 10-game season this year. It's not happening. And generally, that's what's going to have to happen for you to lose this bet. So the number is massive. It's a minus 170 nut you're going to have to deal with because I like the over. I think at worst, you're pulling at worst you're pulling up a push. Let's go to Arkansas. This is, this is a shame. How the mighty have fallen. Arkansas started at three and a half as their over under for the year because of the shortened schedule. They're at minus one. They're at one and a half. One and a half wins. And plus 125 to the over. Guys, if Arkansas wins two games, you cash in with plus odds. I, I can't make this up. If Arkansas wins two games, you cash the over with plus odds. Too easy, right? Oh, it just might be. Here we go. Find me the two wins, ladies and gentlemen. Find me the two wins here. 
versus Georgia. No, no, no. At Mississippi State. No. At Auburn. Hell no. Ole Miss. Nope. At Texas A&M. Nope. Tennessee. Nah. At Florida. Nope. LSU at home. Nope. At Missouri. Eh, maybe. And then Alabama. This team plays 10 games this year. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their 10 games are against ranked opponents. And the two of the other three are on the road. I don't think Arkansas wins a game. <laughs> I really don't. So you look at this and you go, wait a minute, one and a half. It's down to one and a half, and it's plus 125 for a reason. I'll stay away from that completely, but it's amazing where, where Arkansas has fallen to. How about Auburn? We talked about them, right? I think Auburn is a decent team. I don't think that they should be ranked preseason, ranked 11 in the country, but it wouldn't shock me if they were a top 10 team this year. They're... Total was nine. If you wanted to get the over, you were plus 115. So they really thought it might have should have been an eight and a half. Well, it's down to a six and a half, minus 115 for the total. I think that's a fair number. Baylor dropped from seven to six and a half. Their schedule has not changed that much. Neither has the ACC schedule, which dropped from four and a half to four. Now the four is minus 140 to the over. So Boston College, uh, kind of the same thing. Same thing with Clemson. Clemson had an 11.5 number. Now it's a 10.5 number. Um, we know that Clemson is going to be playing that, that truncated ACC schedule, but it doesn't seem like much change there. Duke went from 5.5 to 5. We're seeing about a half a game drop in the ACC potentially up to a game. We're seeing about a half a game drop in the Big 12. We're seeing massive drops in the SEC, obviously, for the schedule change. Talking about another big drop. The Florida Gators went from 10 to 7.5. Now, that was 10, basically even money, to 7.5, uh, basically even money. Florida's an interesting team. They're an interesting team every year. I know a lot of people jump on them, and a lot of people are, are just screaming and yelling how Florida is going to turn the corner, but they just haven't. They just haven't. How about Florida State? Florida State's sitting at seven wins right now. They were at seven and a half. Again, that ACC half game is about where we're looking here. Georgia went from 10 to eight and a half. Not a big drop for a Georgia team. This is an interesting one. We've seen in the ACC, uh, I'm sorry, in the SEC, big numbers we've seen in the ACC, about a half a drop. Georgia does not drop that far. And Georgia has big things on their mind, which we know Georgia does every year. Okay, Georgia's the number four team in the country. They do have some, a, a little tough road schedule here, but I think the number is fair for Georgia. At Arkansas, well, we know that's a win. Auburn, Tennessee, at Alabama, Kentucky, Florida, neutral site, at Missouri, Mississippi State, at South Carolina, uh, against Vanderbilt. I mean, the slight, if they could get out of October, they'll roll. They got Auburn, Tennessee, at Alabama, one, two, three. Their second, third, and fourth games of the season. Um, I think they come out of that Alabama game at three and one. If they're two and two, it's considered a bad year. If they're four and zero, oh, they're 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 gunning for a national championship. I mean, that's that's really where it is. I know people are in love with Florida, but I see six wins. I see six wins after Bama. I'm throwing that Arkansas win to me. They are a surefire seven win team. The question is, do you think? Out of those three games, they can win two of those three. And that's where you have to look. Georgia Tech went from three to two and a half. That's about the same. Half a half a game ACC drop. The Big 12 drop of about a game holds true with Iowa State, who's seven and a half to six and a half. Kansas, Kansas, 
didn't even move. Kansas State at three games. They were three plus 125 to the over. Now it's three minus 160 to the over. If you liked Kansas uh, to go under the number, uh, you love Kansas to go under the number now. Because hey, they lost some games, right? I mean, that's a great buying opportunity if you could get it. I'm not staying anywhere. I'm not going anywhere near Kansas. Uh, Kansas State, six to five and a half. Small drop. Small drop there in the Big 12. That's about a game drop. It's, it's there. How about Kentucky? Two game drop from seven to five. We've talked about the SEC and the SEC schedule. Louisville is the weirdest line movement that we have. The Louisville Cardinals... And a full season schedule before Corona, the odds came out. They were six and a half wins over under. And now they're seven. That means a lot of money came in on the Louisville over. Louisville is the team to circle right now, the line to circle right now, that we could highlight, that we can look at, and we could say, that's some fishy things are going on right there. Right, Louisville is the line that jumps out at you. LSU went from nine to seven. That's that two-point SEC drop, two-game SEC drop. Uh, Miami went from nine to seven and a half. Little bit of a bigger drop than we expect there. Six and a half to four for Mississippi State. It's a two and a half. That, that's a pretty big one. How about this? How about Missouri? How about Missouri, folks? We talked about Louisville being a weird drop. How about Missouri if you're doing a, a numbers game here? Missouri was six and a half plus a hundred to the over, but some basically even money, right? They're down to two and a half. They have a four-game drop-off. NC State five to four. North Carolina eight and a half to seven and a half. Notre Dame with a brand new schedule went from ten to eight and a half. Notre Dame is going to be a weird team to try to handicap this year. Very weird team. Oklahoma ten to eight and a half. That's about right. Uh, Okie State went from eight to seven. That's fine. Ole Miss five and a half to four. Pitt six and a half to six. South Carolina, five and a half to three and a half. That's about that two-point SEC drop. I'm not really going to go crazy about that. Syracuse, six to five. TCU, seven and a half to six. Tennessee, seven to five. Nine and a half to seven and a half for Texas. A little bit more of a drop than I expected there. Nine and a half to seven for Texas A&M. Big drop there, I would say, for them. Five and a half to four and a half for Texas Tech. Vanderbilt went from three to one. Vanderbilt's got to win one game. Vanderbilt has to win one damn game. Oh, and by the way, you're getting plus 125 on Vandy. You're getting plus 125. If Vandy wins one game, you push. So I know what you're going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. Tommy, my boy, read the schedule. Oh, you know I will. Vanderbilt Commodores are one plus 125 to the over. But find the win. At Texas A&M, LSU, South Carolina at home, at Missouri, Old Miss at home, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, at Georgia. Do they run into one win? Maybe. But you're playing for a push. Anybody out there, raise your hand if you want to play for a push. All right, I see you in the back. Put your hand down. That's about it. So nobody's playing for a push. Vanderbilt's one sucker bet. I know it's plus money, but it's a sucker bet. Uh, Virginia, six, five and a half. Eight and a half to seven and a half is VTech. Six and six. Wake Forest stays pretty steady right there. Six to four and a half is West Virginia. So looking at the numbers, the new schedules, I think Notre Dame is, is a team you can't really go near. You just can't. You can't go anywhere near it. Uh, the best buying opportunity here is Kansas. I'm sorry. It just is. I didn't like Kansas, but if you like Kansas, Kansas's numbers did not move, guys. Kansas's numbers literally didn't move. I, I can't make it up. It, it, it did not move. 
What, what are we going to do with that? Now, if you like the under, you got to be doubling up, tripling up, quadrupling up, running to that bank. Um, I, I might see Auburn getting to a full three. That is an interesting line movement. So Louisville, to me, is the one to, I guess, scratch your head over. Right? Louisville is the biggest question mark here with Missouri coming up who Missouri dropped four full spots. Louisville and Missouri are the two games, the two teams. I'm not telling you I'm advising one way or the other. They're the biggest numbers. If I'm advising, and you guys want my advice on here, because even though, you know, Kansas is that, kind of that number, look, I'm going chalk. Hate me for going chalk. I just can't see a season, even in a truncated scenario, where Nick Saban would have to go out there and lose three games. And I think he's got three tough games on his schedule. I don't think he loses all of them. Nick Saban's going to run into a win there. And if he runs into a win, you know, it looks good. And I'm telling you, I know what you're thinking. I know Arkansas dangling out a one and a half plus 125 is an alluring number. I understand the gambler's mindset, the handicapper's hope. I understand that mindset and that hope. That maybe they could run into two wins. Guys, I don't know if they win a game. And if they win one, you win. I can't find two wins on that schedule. I know it's minus 140 to the under. And I'm constantly laying Monday here, it seems. Uh, that's fine. Call me Chalk Tom or whatever you want to. Alabama seems like a, a still a smart investment. And it seems like... The Arkansas under would be a smart investment. I almost want to take that Vanderbilt under. Because I think at worst I'm taking a push. But I think I'm playing for a push. I, I, I might take Vanderbilt under. Do they run in? Does Mason and crew, do they run into a win? Maybe. Maybe. Do they run into two wins? Nah, no way. They're not running into two wins. It's not happening. It's just not happening. So we do have college football. We're going to have it coming up very, very quickly here. Look, we're, we're going to miss the teams that are not involved. We're hoping for their future um, and that things do get better for them. The Big Ten, look, it's a scrap season. No matter what happens, it's a scrap season. They're not coming back in the spring. It's just not going to happen. And even if they are, it's going to be a weird situation. It's not going to be a full team. It's the same thing with the Pac-12. You have to just kind of adjust your mindset here. There are limited college football games to bet on. But there are college football games to bet on. My word of advice, which I'm constantly giving you guys advice, my word of advice in this spot, just be careful. Usually people lose and they have their worst weeks early on in all seasons. This year, you're going to be chomping at the bit. It's been a nightmarish couple of months for all of us Americans. You're going to be chomping at the bit to go bet something. If you don't see something you like in the first week or so, first two weeks, don't worry. You'll find something you eventually like. Don't push games just to push games. Don't bet on games just because it's on TV. Don't go after it just because it looks sexy. No, 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 no. Take your time and make sure that you make smart investments. And that goes with the futures plays as well. I know a lot of you guys want to run to the ticket window and jump on these futures plays. But understand the schedules are quite different. You see the numbers quite different. I think I've highlighted that pretty well here. We've got to be very careful. All right, guys. That is in the future. We know it's coming up. But now, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. 
Bet to the future. Uh, Bet to the future brings us to Major League Baseball. That's right, Major League Baseball. We have some Rookie of the Year odds. And guys, the Rookie of the Year odds, oh, they are a-moving. And they're getting quite interesting out there. Right now, the odds are quite different from where these odds were to begin the season. Beginning of the season, Gavin Lux was a 5 to 2 number, Dalton Varsho was 4 to 1, Mitch Keller was 7 and 1, Carter Keyboom was 9 to 1. All of a sudden, a lot of these favorites are now gaining a little bit of traction and we start to take a look. I think leading the way right now, Dustin May, Tony Goslin, all more than 10 to 1 odds. Jake Cronenworth is the guy I want to talk about though. Jake Cronenworth for me is sitting here at 7 to 1 odds. That is a good number for Jake Cronenworth, and that is bet to the future. Let's go a little bit more into him. Look, I think it's going to be a tough year for a rookie of the year to come out and to come out in a position um, that is a starting pitcher. As good as they look, most of these guys didn't start the year out right away hitting the ground. Tony Goslin, Dustin May, those are two names. You want to keep them uh, in mind, I get it. Sixto Sanchez came up. He looked fantastic, didn't he? Yeah, that's great. But the reality is, is it enough? Is it enough to push a voter to your betting ways? Is that enough? And for me, it's not. Gavin Lux hasn't had any hot-bats. Dalton Varsho, no, he's not winning it. Mitch Keller's having a decent year. Another another guy that you go, yeah, he's not going to be able to do enough. Carter Keboom, he was another guy in Washington. Everybody's looking at him to replace Anthony Rendon. And Carter Keboom, Carter Keboom can't hit his way out of a paper bag right now. I think he's got a bright future, but right now he can't do anything. Dylan Carlson basically just came up. Mackenzie Gore still down in the minors. Brendan Rodgers up and down. Eh, he's not doing much. Nico Horner's hitting about two. 10. Christian Pache, nope. Joey Bart just got called up. He's not even going to catch every day. There's no chance. John Duplanter, nope. Kebron Hayes didn't even come up. Kyle Wright, 6-0 Sanchez, not going to be able to do enough. I mean, I think it's a three-way battle right now with an outside shot that Joey Bart goes crazy. You know, Joey Bart has the name behind him, so there's a possibility that Joey Bart just goes absolutely nuts. Okay, we know that. There's that possibility. Dustin May's numbers are impressive. But Dustin May also has a guy on his own team that may steal some votes away. Let's take a look at Dustin May and let's talk about where our money should go with this. Dustin May right now, six starts. He's got one win. Listen, settle down DeGrom people out there. The DeGrom army of wins don't matter. Okay, so he's got 29 innings. He's got 20 Ks. Not even a strikeout an inning. Eh. Okay. He's got a 1.17 whip and a 2.79 ERA. That's very impressive for the 22-year-old. Very impressive. Is it rookie of the year? Impressive. In a year like this, um, yeah, it could be. It certainly could be. He's a guy that you look at and you say, you know, I, I think he's got all the pedigree for it. I think that the sports writers probably want him to win it. I mean, can I say that? They probably do. He's got the hair. He's got the looks. He's got the 22-year-old upside on a Dodger team that's going to win. Sure. Tony Gonsolin, he might be 26. He might be a little goofy looking. No offense, Tony. Um, He's got three games start. 
He's got 12 games and 14 innings. Now he's got the old 0.00 ERA. And if he keeps this up, he's going to win the, the award. But he's only got three starts under his belt. I'm not sure you can consider him a viable candidate at this point. Joey Bart's the same situation. We are at the halfway point here. And at the halfway point right now, if we're making a prediction of Dustin May or Gonsolin, we're going with Dustin May, right? But I think that there's another guy that you could throw in the mix. And it's a guy that preseason did not have odds on him. Now, I drafted this guy in a dynasty league. The reason why I drafted him is because I thought he could make the roster with the expanded roster because he's a two-way player. And I'm not talking about Brandon McKay. I'm talking about Jake Cronenworth from Slam Diego. And yeah, he hit one of those grand slams in Slam Diego that everybody loves. Right? That's what, what he did. Let's just take a look at what this guy's done. He's sitting here with 79 at-bats. He played 25 games. That's almost every day. He's played a myriad of positions, first, second, short. You know, he, he's played a bunch of positions. He's got three homers. All right, nothing great. 12 RBIs, very solid. 27 hits. He's only struck out 12 times. Got a, a, a stolen base. He's batting 342, guys. He's batting 342. The guy's got a 608 slugging percentage. I mean, Jake Cronenworth right now or Dustin May. Dustin May doesn't have the wins. I get it. Dustin May's ERA is very, very nice, 2.79. But one blow-up start by Dustin May, and that all of a sudden 2.79, not even a blow-up start. Let's say a bad start. All of a sudden 2.79 goes to 3.20, and this is Jake's award. And we could still get Jake Cronenworth for 7-1 or 8-1 to odds. On a San Diego team that people want to give awards to. They want to be fun. Jake Cronenworth, he's doing it all. He's got two triples on the air. He's got three homers. He's got 12 RBIs. I mean, he's got, he's doing it all. And the guy's batting 342. I mean, you can say whatever you want about uh, Dustin May's on the better team and Tony Goslin is is interesting. And yeah, all you got all these guys. A lot of what you're talking about right now, a lot of what you're talking about right now is simply because, oh, well, these guys, these players were supposed to win it. It's a lot of what you're dealing with. Jake Cronenworth is a legitimate threat right now. I know he doesn't have all the at-bats, even though he's played in a bunch of games, okay? If he qualified right now, if he qualified, he'd be like number four or five in all of Major League Baseball and batting average. Jake Cronenworth at 7-1 to one or 8-1, to one, whatever you could get him at, Jake Cronenworth right now is worth the odds for Rookie of the Year. All right, let's take a quick overview of Major League Baseball. We only got a couple of minutes left in the show, and we are at the halfway point. Look, a team like the Yankees, they've only played 17 games, 18 games, whatever it is. Most of these teams are playing right near 30, if not 30 games. And what we're looking at right now, where we are looking at is who's for real and who's not. We know Tampa and the Yankees are for real. We know Minnesota's for real. We know that Oakland is for real in the American League. But who's the teams that I'm not sure about? Yeah, I'm not sure about the Blue Jays. We know in their home ballpark they could certainly hit, and we know that young team is just explosive offensively. I don't love their bullpen, even though Romero's pretty good. I don't love their bullpen. 
I certainly don't love their starting pitching, even though they're trying to go out there and, and obtain somebody to get, sneak in. What about Baltimore? It's the same kind of situation. I know they've had a good first little run here, but I think the the wheels are kind of going to start falling off. They're you know coming in two and eight in the last ten or so coming into the weekend. I think Baltimore's time has sailed. I think it's it's commendable that Baltimore already has uh, fourteen fifteen wins. So I thought they'd have a whole year. Minnesota's for real. We know that. Cleveland is for real, and they're also going to welcome back Clevenger. I think Plesak's coming back. Cleveland's one of the more dangerous teams in the league. Once they get into this playoff series, ooh, this could be. And if you're not paying attention, there are two burgeoning young middle relievers that are going to be dominating closers in short order. Could be next year. Jake Karnasek for Cleveland and Josh Stoutmont for Kansas City. These guys are fantastic. Go look up their stats if you want to. You're mind blown on how good these guys are. They're simply phenomenal. And that adds to my intrigue of Cleveland. The White Sox are for real guys. They're basically a first place team. They're bashing the ball. All of a sudden, Lucas Giolito has kind of found himself. And, and mm, man, I know the White Sox. You look at them and you go, maybe they're a year early, but they're a dangerous team. Then you look at Oakland. Yeah, sure, they are are certainly for real. What is Houston? What are the Astros right now? First of all, the villains of Major League Baseball, right? And Jose Altuve has a war minus uh, uh, 0.5. I mean, he's having a miserable year. But the Astros are also banged up. They lost Justin Verlander. They traded away, well, they lost to a free agency, I should say, uh, Garrett Cole. Uh, Roberto Osuna couldn't happen to a nicer guy out for the year. Ryan Presley, his backup, is banged up. The Astros are scuffling, but they're still over 500. Can the Astros make a quick run here at the end? I think they can. I think they can. I don't see a lot of... But look, I thought the Angels were going to be better than they are. I don't see a lot of buying opportunities right now. I think the, the cream is rising to the top, have risen to the top. Minnesota, Cleveland, Chicago, Oakland, Yankees, and Tampa are the teams. Can Houston right the ship? Yes, they can. And it, can Toronto kind of squeak into this thing? Yeah, I, I guess they certainly can. And there still might be a little bit of value on Toronto, by the way, because they don't throw an ace. But I think the American League, for all intents and purposes, it is what we thought it would be. There's no surprises in the American League at the top. There's no challenges for the title. If you asked me before the year began, and you did, oh, by the way, you asked me for the top seven teams in the American League, it's the top seven teams in the American League. I'm giving you Yankees, Tampa, Oakland, Houston, Minnesota, Cleveland, Chicago. They're there. That's the top seven teams. So there's no real buying opportunities here. I think you could still maybe buy a little bit on Toronto. And by the way, the over, which we talked about last week. I think it's kind of start time to selling on Baltimore. But Baltimore's never given you favorable numbers anyhow. I think Kansas City is probably better than what they've shown, but not by much. And the Angels continue to just disappoint, so I'll stay away from them. Let's move to the National League, basically at the halfway point here. There are some surprises here. I'll start with the West because this is the least surprising. Look, the Dodgers, oh yeah, 23-9, 719 winning percentage, ho-hum. Do it in the playoffs. I mean, that that's what it is. The Dodgers have to worry because they just put Walker Bueller on the DL, or the IL is what we're calling it now. And Walker Bueller is a guy that they need healthy for the playoffs. He's got to be healthy for the playoffs, and he hasn't looked healthy all year. 
San Diego, fun team. Just talked about them. I think we saw the ascension of San Diego. We saw what they could be. They have a really good bullpen, even though Kirby Yates is out of it. And, oh, by the way, uh, you look at Drew Pomerantz being out. If they get back for the playoffs, either of them or both of them, watch out. But I still think San Diego could just kind of string things together. Chris Paddock is, is the guy there. And he's got to develop into that ace. Colorado's still hanging around about 500. That's probably a buy-off team. So is San Francisco. What San Francisco has done this year is miraculous, that they are basically just under 500. I, I think they're going to tank, spiral downhill, and crash and burn real fast, real soon here. San Francisco, to me, is that team that is just bet against for the rest of the year. I can't believe they've done what they've done so far. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. That's basically the order that it was supposed to be. Uh, you could say that everybody was high on Cincinnati and they've let you down. Yeah, that's true. And they did it last year to me. And I sat here on the air last year and I touted Cincinnati. And I said, I love them, I love them, I love them. And this year when the world loves Cincinnati... I was asked multiple times, Tom, why'd you get off of them? And I said, I have no reason at all, except they left a bad taste in my mouth. And I just don't think they're clicking as a team. Well, sitting here five, six games under 500 with the dynamic pitching that Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray have put together and the ridiculous talent on that team, how they're under 500, I'm going to say what I just said. I just don't think they're clicking as a team. Cincinnati, they are not a buy-on situation. And I see a lot of guys going out there, and you're going to start buying on this team. I am advising against it, and I'm advising against it pretty massively. I don't think Cincinnati's going to just turn the corner. And oh, by the way, with Bauer and Gray pitching as well as they are, you're laying premium prices every night. And you're laying premium prices with a team that isn't playing premium baseball. Milwaukee's under 500. I think they could sort of right the ship, but I had my worries about Milwaukee this year because of the idea that they don't have starting pitching. And I could probably replay this in five years from now. Milwaukee never seems to have starters. And I like Woodruff. I get it. But they just don't seem to have enough starters. St. Louis, hard to tell. They've played half the games of everyone else. But if we're doing this stupid 2020 rules thing that we are doing, they're a playoff team. Uh, and then the Cubs. The Cubs are playing very well. I think the bloom has come off of John Lester a little bit. I don't think Hugh Darvish is as good as he's looked in his last couple starts. But I do think Hugh Darvish is a number one in this league. Uh, they've got to get Craig Kimball out. You can't go into a postseason hoping that Rowan Wick and Jeffries are your guys. You've got to go get Craig Kimbrell right. And I know he had a couple of outings in the last week or so, which made you feel good. Craig Kimbrell's got to be saving games for you. If you have a chance for bigger and better things, I'm talking about World Series this year. If you have a chance at that, Kimbrell's got to be your closer. You don't want to see Rowan Wick out there in the ninth inning. Not this year. No way. Let's go to the National League East. Weirdest division in baseball right now. Atlanta being at the top is not weird. Atlanta being at the top without Mike Soroka is a little bit weird, but Atlanta being at the top is not weird, okay? This team is a very good offensive team. They have a solid, very solid bullpen. By the way, anybody see what Ian Anderson did to the Yankees this week? Oh, my goodness. Atlanta just produces arms for, like, the last, like, 50 years. Um, Washington being in last place is disappointing, but we all knew they weren't as good as they looked last year. Every single thing clicked for them, from the closer to the starters, Everything went right for them. Strasburg's now on the DL. Scherzer's a little bit year older. He was a buyer beware, one of our fantasy segments early on. So watch him. 
The Mets are disappointing in a whole other way. I mean, that whole organization is just, it's hard to be a Met fan. I'm not, luckily. But I feel for people that are in my home city because it's tough to be a Met fan. They are not a buy-on team. Um, Jacob deGrom is a phenomenal pitcher. Outside of him, who are you, who are you throwing? I mean, who, who do you have confidence in? You don't have confidence in anybody else. The Marlins are over 500, and the Marlins are a playoff team. The Marlins also, like St. Louis, have played about, uh, I don't know, five, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. However many games they play less than everybody else. It's two series or so. I think Miami finishes under 500. I think it's a nice little run what they did. I think um, I'm rooting for them, but there's no buying opportunity because I think now is the kind of the time where the rubber meets the road and Miami's going to start falling. One of the teams I am buying on is Philadelphia. Now, I bought on them before the year. And I told everybody there was an odds boost for Philly to make the playoffs before the year, and I like them. Go take a look at what Bryce Harper's doing this year. I know he's a great whipping boy for everybody to yell, yell at and say how terrible he is and, oh, he's not living up to his contract. Bryce Harper looks good right now. Bryce Harper looks MVP level right now. Seven homers, 20 bombs, 23 runs, uh, four stolen bases, 317. He's MVP level right now. And... Aaron Nola might be the Cy Young. I mean, that's what you're looking at right now when you are looking at this team and you have to say, okay, Bryce Harper, MVP level. Didi Gregorius playing really well. Aaron Nola, Cy Young level with a 0-9-2 whip, 3 ERA, even 3 ERA, and he's got three wins. This is a team that's got plenty of talent. I liked them before the year. I absolutely realize that they have not lived up to expectations, but that's my buy-on team. So... Where we sit at the half in the American League, guys, we're at the all-star break, quote-unquote. American League is exactly what we thought it was. Houston's a little bit worse. Toronto's maybe a little bit better. But generally speaking, and the Yankees are banged up. I mean, generally speaking, that's the storylines we knew in the American League. In the National League, I think the West is kind of going to form. The Central, we're a little surprised at Cincinnati, but not if you were listening to this show. And the East is the only sort of turmoil, although the team at the top is Atlanta. And if Atlanta finishes in first and Philly sneaks into a wild card, I think we kind of go to script. So although 2020 is a ridiculous year with all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues and everything else falling down around us, 2020 is a maniac, gruesome monster of its own. It's all kind of falling into form in Major League Baseball. And keep that in mind. When you're going into the second half and your second half betting, be a little bit more disciplined and understand the cream will rise to the top. This is now the time where some guys go, yep, he's a young kid. Bring him on up. They're going to start trying guys out. Hey, we're out of this thing. Let's throw that kid in the minors that we never really gave a chance to. You're going to see a lot of weird things in the next couple of weeks. So keep that in mind for your wagering tips. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.